Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're destroying art. As we watch Spine 154 in the Criterion Collection, Ronald Neems the horse's mouth from 1958. But first, RJ, are you uh, enjoying this not minus 26 degrees Celsius weather? Well, you say that like it's, it's better, but the cold was just replaced with huge amounts of snow that's now melting it's melting but it snows and then but, it melts well, and then that, it snows yeah but but now it's just like buttery slush and it's actually mm-hmm. way it's way worse to uh navigate that's true i think uh our climate has shifted two months uh back so we're getting december january weather in february march now mm-hmm. uh and it's that lousy smart weather yeah it's horse shit that yep. al gore knew all along and he he didn't do anything to prevent this well, I, I only bring it up because uh i'm not cold down here in my office recording this uh as i have been for the last two three weeks where it's just like mm-hmm. bitterly cold and uh now it's like oh it's kind of nice it's why cozy. don't you let your cat in uh if he sleeps on your lap that's like a, a little space heater we'll see if he finds his way down this way or not this is night. he a, is he a lap cat Mm, no, he's uh, he likes to watch from afar. And Ooh, then, like you, yeah, he likes to like kind of curl up on the bed on the corner mm-hmm. and like kind of watch where everyone else is. And uh, he'll come out and hang out. Like he's not a total uh, shut in of a cat, but uh, he has his own rules. He <laughs> he, oh. he, he comes and sees you when he wants to see you, and then other times you can come up to him and molest him all day long, and then he tries to get you vintage cat behavior yeah this is uh this is the way it goes so you're not cold you're not cold hey (laughs) (laughs) i just switching things hey i got a lot of problems in the world jared what you want to hear about a problem i have Uh, i guess crave tv yeah or whatever whatever it's called now i think it's just called crave so crave is uh, uh i think canadian only so it's it's uh, Canadian only. It's, I think it speaks to almost none of our listener base. Who well, are you're going to hear about it. everywhere but Canada. Well, a bunch of the movies I watched this week, I watched on Crave. Cool. So because you're going to be like, where did you watch these movies? And I'll be like, I watched them on Crave, baby. So I think it's like our our version of Hulu, but way smaller so it's got showtime tv on there and then it also has hbo which is a big draw and it'll have like the new episodes of hbo on there so i i got it for that reason and it does have some new ish movies but uh i got it on amazon fire stick and the app that's on there is the most biggest piece of shit software programming i have ever seen in my entire life jared the most biggest huh the most 
biggest piece of shit. So you will go and you'll click things into your watch list and then you'll go to your watch list and only half of them appear there and you're like, oh, that's weird. Okay, whatever. Uh-huh. So there was, we went and uh, we were watching um, Pete Holmes's HBO show Crashing and uh, we were on season two because we watched it like a while ago. And so I, I click on Crave. I was like, oh, hey, there's a show we never finished. What's watch? If you try to start a show from the watch list, it goes from the first episode of the first season. Uh, it is unskippable. You cannot skip episodes. You cannot pull up an episode list. And once the episode is done, it restarts on episode one again. What? Uh-huh. So I found a way to not do this. So the watch list is completely utterly useless uh if you just find the show on the normal page you can go to the season guide and like the episode guide and pick whatever episode you want but here's the new problem once you watch an episode once it goes back to the episode guide it crashes and then you have to restart your app and go over and into it again it Uh, is the most frustrating uh, unbelievable like is it that hard to just copy what netflix has it can't be. Even Amazon wow. Prime. To be fair, is, so Netflix like throws like millions and millions of dollars into getting this stuff right, mm-hmm. and everyone else is trying to like pay, play catch up, and they just they don't have the money to like work out these things. Like they're figuring it out. Like I think streaming is all like, on HBO. <clears throat> like streaming's got to be like ridiculously difficult to pull off. And so I'm like always like with this Criterion thing, like oh they're doing the yeah. weekly movie thing because they're handling they can handle one movie at a time and they want to see like how it goes. That's smart. Mm-hmm. But boy, oh boy, like people are going to be in for like a real, oh shit, this is like, it's going to suck for a while. Um, That's going to be available on Fire Stick too. So I'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe they spent all their money on HBO and they can't afford to have like coders and programmers or whatever. Or they're under undermanned, underpowered. Undermanned. And they're like, why are these things not working? And they're like, uh, I, I need to like keep this thing going before I can go back and find out why this part's not working. Because as mm. long as it's playing, as long as you can get it to work, it's like, well, that's good enough for now until we have time to yeah. figure it out. I, 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 I kind of have a weird sympathy for like poor uh, programming bastards, but that sounds like just... Yeah, that sounds awful. Oh, oh, it's yeah. I uh, you better believe I sent a very strongly worded email into their customer service. Oh, I uh, bet which, you did. By the way, did you ask uh, to speak to their manager too? I did. Yeah, I got my haircut. My name is Susan now, and I asked to speak to the manager. Uh, their um, their customer service box. Uh, you are allowed up to five hundred characters. Yeah, not words, characters. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had to, I wrote a huge message and it was like, it was like, uh, it was like, you have to, it has to fit 500 words. And I was like, you piece of shit. So I was real upset. But the movies uh, have been working fine. And when HB or when Game of Thrones comes back in a month or two, uh, I will be able to watch it on there uh, legally and without um, stress of the man coming down on me. So Yark. I'll keep it, I'll keep it for game of Thrones. And then if after game of Thrones ends, if that app is still a piece of shit, then well, you'll be hearing about it on this podcast. You gave me this platform to voice oh, my frustration. I did. It's, I regret it every week. Well, I just wanted to tell you that, uh, that's how I'm doing. And, uh, you can do whatever you want to talk hmm. about now. Well, maybe someone will come along and deplatform us, RJ. <laughs> Well, you know, if Blumhouse and Crave team up together to get me, 
Mm-hmm. You, Skype, Skype, Blumhouse, uh, all, 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 yeah, they're all coming get us. Max Landis, ne- he's coming. Yeah, Sex Pest. How did you? How did you miss that? Huh? I think it got swept under the rug because he has a powerful daddy, and his dad his took not care that of powerful. Mac John Landis, come on. Uh, well, if you've ever listened to a horror podcast, uh, John oh. Landis is one of hey, the most influential hey. directors of no, all time. No, see, that was the thing. Like, there was just so many things that like were uh, happening all at once. Yeah, apparently, uh, old Max Landis, friend of the show, is a uh, is a mm-hmm. bit is uh, some sort of creep, some alleged creep. Yeah, his Me Too got uh, totally hushed away. Mm. It's probably some of that Netflix hush money he got for uh, all his horrible movies they yeah. bought off of him. Because well, yeah, just like a few weeks ago, we were like, hey, whatever happened to him? What's he been working on? And it's like, turns out he's been just under the he's radar. He's been hiding. Yeah. Not not yeah. posting. Anyways, hey, RJ. Mm. What? We got emails out the wazoo. What do you mean? We got a whole bunch of emails. Oh, I shouldn't have ranted for a long time then. Uh-huh. I should have just let you talk. Well, that's, that's nothing new. Well, you, you want to hear about these guys? What these fellas have to say? Um, no. Okay then. Well, fuck you, Jeremy right. Bryant. First up, is this a new person? No, or no, has... uh, no. Jeremy Bryant has written in. In fact, writes, thought I'd check in on my favorite creeps. Ooh. Sorry that it's been a while since I last wrote in. Just like to say that I really appreciate the effort that you guys put into the podcast. Last few episodes have been particularly stellar. Can't wait Ooh. to hear what Jared's most wanted Criterion's releases are. My choices would be, number one, Caravaggio, director Jarek, uh, Derek Jarman. Number mm-hmm. two, All About My Mother from Pedro Almodovar. And number three, Clute from Ellen J. Pakula. Keep up the mm. great work. Why, thanks, Jeremy. We kind of went through our picks, I guess, or my most wanted criterions of the last mm. week offhand, just looking at my top 100 movies that are in the yeah. criterion list already. Well, you kind of winged it. Mine, mine are pretty obvious, like I said. Yeah, I talk about two, them all the time. Yeah. Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, Sister Act, uh, always, uh, uh, Boys Don't Cry. I always remember uh, my friend Corey, he, like years ago in high school, him talking about like, he told me like, I had this dream the other night that like Gone, Fi- Gone Fishing was getting like a, this like three disc Criterion Collector's Edition and I was holding it in my hands and I don't know why. Why not? <laughs> why not? Why uh, not? Yeah. I've had, I've had the same dream. Uh, next up, Oliver Granger, Mm -hmm. good film and can't find a film. Hey guys, just wanted it. I just watched one cut of the dead. Uh, it's really good. Don't read too much about it. Just watch it. Uh, I've heard Mm. of this one cut of the dead. It's a Japanese zombie movie, I think. And I've heard it is quite good, but, uh, it hasn't made its way, uh, to North America as far as I know, unless it's on one of those streaming shutter platforms or something like that. Do you think it's on Crave? Uh, maybe. Um, and, uh, apparently, uh, Oliver was trying to find a copy of The Horse's Mouth, which seems to be, Mm. like, kind of a neglected film, uh... But I think I think uh, Daily Motion or something like that had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I met someone from Calgary the other day. <gasps> Whoa! They were so impressed when I said, "Oh, that's in Alberta, right?" She wow. went from impressed to bored when I explained the podcast and why I knew where Calgary was. <laughs> she then mm-hmm. went from bored to offended when I said how you refer to it as Creepsville. <laughs> it then got awkward, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Um, weed is legal in Canada, right?" Cheers. Yeah, you know what? People from Calgary, man, they're uppity? like, they're, yeah, they're like, but they're like Albertan uppity where it's like, they're just trash. <laughs> but, I don't really know why she would get offended by Creepsville. That's just like a playful, uh, 
playful little thing, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. There are some highfalutin people up in uh, Cowtown. The pieces. Oil town. Yeah, garbage. Yeah. All these fucking idiots driving in goddamn uh, gas guzzling trucks all across the country to prove a point. But then, how do we pay back? How do we pay to get back? No Don't one, get too no, political. No, no one thought to ask that question. You're going to get plagued well, for inappropriate stuff. Hey, I'm trying to get deplatformed here, RJ. JT and Notley are going to come to bust in your door and they're going to wow. bring this. Yeah, see, those are real deep cuts yeah, for uh, it's like, yeah, they're, they're, you know what? They're all watching Craved right now, too. Mm-hmm. Licking their lips. Mm-hmm. And they're complaining. Why the fuck is this so badly designed? Um, things all over. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to eventually watch that uh, that film, the one one cut of the dead. Sure. Sure. I will too, I guess. But hey, RJ, we got, we, we got a fresh one. Dale and Conrad, first mm. email in. Hello, creeps. Ever since I first listened to probably episode 109, I've been hooked. You guys have made my commutes far more interesting and have gotten me into movies as a hobby. Would you call movie watching a hobby? Mm, yes. Sure. I have to say the main reason I love y'all's uh, podcast so much is you don't bog your discussion of movies with excessive technical talk or a truckload of pretentious vibes. Mm-hmm. While I'm typing this out, I also mm-hmm. want to say the episode of Frank was really enjoyable. At first, I thought the whole pay-to-co-host thing would bring some rather cringy people. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's early, folks. You can you mm-hmm. can, you can help uh, do that. But after having Frank on, I almost felt like I should be paying him to go on the podcast to talk. Well, that, that's Frank. He can figure that out. He can have his own Patreon to get that sorted. Mm-hmm. To conclude... <laughs> I hope you guys forever keep your enthusiasm for movies and for prosperity to be brought to the best Criterion themed podcast out there. Wow, well, those are very kind words uh, from this this nice person. Yeah, I don't nice know. Person. I feel always like weird when I get complimented on things. It's just like, well, they're not talking about you, Jared. What? There you go. Compliments are directed to me and me alone. I think you will have noticed that he said he liked the toilet banter. He liked when people go off on tangents that have nothing to do with anything. And he did. He liked how it wasn't pretentious. So those are all things that uh, uh, El Captain over here is uh, mm-hmm. spearheading. But yeah, it is uh, definitely, it was nice to hear from all of our write-ins. It was nice to hear from this new person. Oh, And uh, I, for one, do support the Frank side Patreon to just people support to have Frank come on episodes. That would be fine. Speaking of Frank. Ooh. Number four, a few questions for you. Hey there, creeps. I hope it's not uh, as gloomy in Creepsville as it is here in Athens, Georgia. One week in Costa Rica was enough to set my body back about five years of winter survival. I'm glad I don't live further north or I'd be fucked. Yeah, that would be uh, be a wake-up call. Google Snow, that's what we got right now. Oh, and piles, piles of Piles. It. Anyways, I hope you guys follow up on answering last week's question, because here's another one. If there were two or three movies that you could combine into one, which oh, would God. you combine? What would the new movie be called? Okay, now that one I might have to think about. Mm, yeah, that's a... Hmm. Maybe Gone Fishing with Sister Act 2. And it would, <laughs> wow. but the title, 
I can't. I, I'm not that witty. I can't come up with that much stuff, fresh stuff on the spot. So, so let me think. Let okay, me think so about Frank, this one. Frank asks. Uh, I asked this because I want to combine almost all of Wong Kar Wai's movies into a two, five to six hour films. That means, of course, combining the unofficial sixties trilogy and the other three from the nineties. Speaking of Wong Kar Wai, I've managed to get my hands on a copy of My Blueberry Nights, his American movie. Hopefully, it's not as lame as everyone says. Lately, I've been buying films from my watch list, so that I'm forced to watch them eventually. How do you guys choose when to watch something on your watch list? That's enough questions for today. I can't wait to hear RJ's reviews of the films he's watched this week. Some real films to analyze. And hopefully Jared watches some more movies this week instead of playing D&D and letting RJ do all the heavy lifting for the show. We see you, Jared. We know what you're not up to. This is mm-hmm. this is all very true. I am not watching any movies, but it's not because of D and D. That's only like three mm-hmm. hours of my week. It's been drawing. I think truer things have not have never been spoken. That's not English. People that doesn't to... matter. What? Well, <laughs> I was, yeah. No. Hey. So uh, here's a plug for myself. If you want to see the crap I draw, you can go find me on Instagram. Oh. There you go. And there's there's it, the evidence. There's the he evidence. Claims that he draws stuff. I I've been known to doodle in my time. As do, well, you do doodle, but uh, I'm glad that Frank has uh, acknowledged that. Yes, I am doing most of the heavy lifting. I also edit the episodes. I <laughs> do all of the uploading onto the internet. I do mm-hmm. a lot of stuff for this show. Fascinating. A lot of stuff. What was his second question? Huh? Oh, he's asking uh, how do you guys choose when to watch something on your watch list? Oh, uh, oh, I damn. usually just scroll through stuff for like hours and hours until I get mad and then settle on something. Yeah, like I'm, the open fridge thing. Yeah, I, I have no system at all. I, I I try to have them where I'm like, I'm going to watch a particular type of thing for a month. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there such thing as like attention deficit disorder as an adult? Is that a thing that can happen when you get older? Yes. Cool. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't go away. No, no, but does it develop though? Develop? Or, like like when, you're, when you're like in your 30s. Uh, I'm sure there's some variant of it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, my attention uh, span is like greatly reduced uh, over time. Did Did you get a vaccine anytime recently? Ooh, well, I've been eating those A and W burgers. There it is. Yeah, it's the lack there of it is. It's maybe the the lack of shots. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you ever seen a cow that doesn't have a antibiotics? It's all sick and skinny and coughing. Mm. <laughs> they They make a good matzo burger though. <laughs> It's horrible. It's such a mean thing to do. Just, it's like, hey, you do you like have a dog? Do you like it? Don't give it any medicine. <laughs> uh, Anyways, that's that's my anti A and W agenda coming through. <laughs> oh man, see, we're gonna get deplatformed tonight. It's happening. Um, yeah, Whatever. so like, I mean, I look over at my list, my my, uh, my shelf, my watch list of a shelf. And I'm like, I set aside things like with this intent. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to rewatch a movie or watch something. And then it, it just doesn't happen. Mm. That That's pretty well what happens. And then I, I, like, yeah. then I download something and watch that instead of anything that I have right here by my hand. Cause I just, I go with the flow. Well, I mean, Jarrett can see the stack of movies of his that he's lent me on my desk. Like mm. I've had those for, a couple of them, two years probably, and they've uh, just been. It's going to be two, some of them will be two years uh, in like half a year. Yeah, yeah. So Grats. I don't, I don't know. They're here, but it's, it's like you said. It's like looking in the fridge and you see a bunch of health food, and then you settle on like a pepperoni that you found on the floor because you're just like, eh, I don't, I don't care. That's that's what my movie watching is like. 
like I said, you just looking for something, even though there's stuff like right beside me and then just being like, eh, whatever. And just throwing on stuff this week. I had free time. So I, yeah, I got some watch. Not, not having a job, I guess kind of frees up that time. Well, I mean, I, I was given days off, Jarrett. Man, mandated. Mandated by, mandated uh, by an academic off. calendar. Mm, you all, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So you, don't, so you don't kill yourself. It happened. You know. Not to me, but it, it did happen to <laughs> some guy. Whatever that, however that tale goes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, I have no idea what two movies I would mash up. That's like, I don't know. I'll that, think about that, it. That, that honestly skates a weird line for me of like, Kind of like who who's stronger, Hulk or Thor? <laughs> like, don't 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 do that. It's it's too it's too much. Like I don't know. I don't think that way. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I I just I don't know. Well, I'll think about it. Okay. I'll, I'll make I'll make two mashups. You do the heavy lifting there too. Again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of heavy lifting, hey RJ, mm. what you been creeping on this week? A whole lot of shit, Jarrett. Hey, I know what though. To be fair, I've mm-hmm. seen. Over half of these movies, you're now just only catching up on. This is true, and I realize that. But they were also hot ticket movies. So I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want me to talk about uh, your no, Jarrett tell picks me, first? Tell, or? tell me about, uh, just go in order. Tell me about Game Night. Oh, Game Night. Okay, so this is a Crave uh, flick that I popped on. Uh, this is a movie directed and written by two guys. One name is Jonathan Goldstein. Uh, and the other is uh, John Francis Daly. You remember him from Freaks and Geeks. He was Sam. Oh. So these two guys wrote this and directed it. The only other movie they've done before was that Ed Helms Vacation movie, which I think was really bad. Uh, by the way, I don't like Ed Helms. I think that guy sucks huge, and I think I wish he would go away. Isn't That's it, a different agenda. It, is Ed Helms the one that was like in the office eventually? Yeah, um, like from season two. Was it that? Because like, I remember him being Andy, right? Isn't that Ed yep. Helms? Yep. He's fine. From, I, I hate that guy. Oh, like, it, you like Bill, like Bill Hader hate? Yeah, probably. Okay. I think Ed Helms is a real piece of shit, but that's, a, that's again, a different agenda. <laughs> these, these two guys, they also have been tapped to direct and make the, the Flash movie that will never come out. Right. Um, so I feel bad for them. But anyways, this game night, uh, we popped this son of a bitch on because uh, it was on Crave. And I was like, hey, I heard uh, I, I looked up my letterbox and I saw a lot of like three and a half, four stars. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, must be OK. And let me tell you, Jared, it is OK. It was actually pretty good. I was very surprised by this movie. Uh, do you know anything about game night? Uh, I've heard it's a comedy that's not bad. <laughs> So uh, you have Jason Bateman and uh, Rachel McAdams, and they are a very competitive married couple. They compete at, like, everything in comedic ways, uh, and they have an annual game night. And you get a nice little montage of how they met at, like, a bar trivia night and how they dated through game nights and how they, like, he proposed at a game night. And, you know, the regular shtick. They have uh, a game night crew with... um, Winston from New Girl. You don't know who that guy is. Nope. Uh, know, Sharon I, Horgan. What do you? I, so game night, as in like, is this like all board the games? Game like, night. Okay, okay. To be specific, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it's like a board game night. Like they do. Uh, you have the regular stuff, charades and um, oh. Pictionary. But then they they do like classic Hasbro games and oh. stuff like that. So it's like boring games. Well, okay. So here's the thing, Jared. What? So they they're playing these games. 
And then uh, Jason Bateman's brother, Kyle Chandler, that's right, coach from Friday Night Lights. He's like real suave and cool. He drives in in like a car and he's like, I got an idea for a different game night. Uh, and it, he invites all of the people over and they set up this like murder mystery thing. Okay. But what happens is during the setup for the murder mystery, uh, a real life kidnapping of Kyle Chandler happens. And so all the people think it's part of the setup and they start going along and trying to solve the mystery, although he was actually really kidnapped. That's what Game Night is about. Okay. So uh, you have like some other actors in this, like Danny Houston and Michael C. Hall. But uh, the real standout, and uh, everyone has pointed this out, but you know Jesse Plemons from uh, Breaking Bad? Meth Damon himself? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm? like Fargo he's in this as like a straight man and he is actually super good he's very very funny so uh, he's in this as a straight man too but uh, anyways you have the game night they get into like all sorts of hijinks and shenanigans but uh, I really like this because I thought it was actually funny there were jokes that I was laughing at uh, there was a lot of did you slap your knee uh, no but I, I do think mm. at one point I went <laughs> whoo you know, just kind of like real breathy. Were, were you a chortlin? Chortlin? I don't like that word. It sounds like something bad. Yeah, uh, that's the idea. No, it had it had a good jokes and it had good setup for stuff. There were a few ones that were like kind of obvious. Um, like one guy talks about uh, rich people fight clubs a lot, and then they wind up at like a rich people fight club. Mm-hmm. That was that joke wasn't that fine. But there's a lot of other things. There's like casual references to things and then it'll pay off later whoa it's well i i actually think jared it was pretty well executed comedy wow so i don't know (laughs) i don't know if you would like it i think uh chanel might like it but uh you you might you you might laugh at it a little you know know what chanel's watching right now this very moment upstairs hereditary oh has she not seen hereditary oh good 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 um well, you'll have to let the fans know what that's a comedy is. too, right? It is kind of, but hey, Jared, I thought Game Night was okay. Okay, well, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. I mean, there's a I like watching these comedies like maybe once every six months to a year, just to keep myself, you know, relevant to see who the the new young fresh faces are in Hollywood. These people you'd say that you like their names, and I'm like, I don't know what that is, and then I see them, and I go, oh that person okay and then i move on because usually they're on tv and stuff and uh i don't watch anything on there well i'm late Uh, to the game on this one but i'll just call this right now i think this this one's got legs this one uh has longevity and i think in a couple years people will come back to it and be like oh yeah game night it's like this movie's actually pretty funny it's the next hangover uh, uh <laughs> i don't know uh, uh i just saying i was surprised by it because i was like oh wow i was like this is actually a good show it doesn't even have seth rogan in it it doesn't jesse plimmons uh plays the seth rogan type he's got a cute little dog that he holds with him all the time hmm. it's good stuff i liked it What's so next? anyways the favorite baby yorgos lanthimos uh i took andy to the theater <gasps> to watch the favorite two theatrical screenings for andy yeah she uh i talked her into it um even after the last one oh i never mentioned that when i was at glass 
there was only like five people in the theater, but a couple <laughs> rows ahead of me, there was a guy and a girl, and the, they were cracking beers and vaping the entire movie. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I totally forgot to mention it because they weren't being disruptive or like, uh, like um, they weren't being disruptive or loud at all. You could hear the beers crack. But they weren't like talking to each other or anything. So I was like, whatever. I was like, I don't care. I've I've had a drink or two in my day. Uh, but the dude was vaping too. And he was trying to, I think he was trying to like cover it up. Like I think he was blowing it into his shirt. But it would still like slowly come out and rise. So yeah, the theaters are, theaters are a bad place. And this one almost, at this when the trailers were playing for this, I almost had to tell like a 90-year-old lady on oxygen to shut the hell up. Because uh, that trailer for that Peter Jackson movie, um, oh, They Shall Not, Not Grow yeah. Old, came on. And because she's 100 years old, she's like, I remember. I was like, oh, oh. Really? I was like you, you remember the Great War? I was like, what would you have been like one month old at the very most? Uh, but she was talking about like there was some kind of cart tank thing and it was moving side to side. And she's like, well, they used to move side to side. Oh. Uh, but she was very loud because she was super old. And then after that pre- preview was done, she just started talking about her week. She's like, well, it's Saturday today. Tomorrow will be Sunday. We could do it on Monday, the day after tomorrow. And it was just like, what is this lady doing? Uh, so she talked throughout all of the trailers. And uh, I was really I was really thinking I was going to have to go tell this old woman to shut up. Yeah, but uh, you luckily... Ch- you could, uh, go turn off that oxygen. Yeah, I just turn it off and say, chat it up now. Figure it out. Figure it out. Uh, but luckily, she she was quiet. And uh, the theater itself was quiet. So that was nice. Um, it was like not quite half full, but a uh, pretty good turnout for this thing. So we watched The Favorite. And you have seen this already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked The Favorite a lot. Andrea was mostly okay on The Favorite. She liked uh, Sacred Deer more. And uh, she actually, she got really hung up on The Favorite. Uh, she's like, if you're going to make a period piece, why don't you just make a period piece? She's like, a lot of the dialogue didn't seem genuine. And I kind of agree with her on some points where uh, it's like curse words, like fuck and cunt. And uh, at one point, Rachel Vice says JJ or something like that. Which I was like, I wonder if that was a real dialect that was uh, being used in this period. It's possible. I don't know. But uh, and, yeah, Andrea got like hung up on that stuff. But whatever. She uh, she she has hot takes on things. Did you tell her to shut up? Yeah, I did. Good. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I liked The Favorite a lot. Um, I think the one thing that I want to talk about that I, I didn't see anyone talk about was uh, the lighting. I think the lighting in this movie was fucking amazing. Well, like, the, I don't know. I feel like the t- conversation about that is like shorthand when people say Barry Lyndon, because <laughs> it's the yeah. That's that's kind of the thing, right? It's like the natural mm-hmm. light and using whatever low light lensing or camera stuff that whatever trickery was afoot to like make to pull that off so you can get like that luminance to work properly when you're shooting in like these mm-hmm. giant cavernous spaces and like having to like shoot in low light and like you oh we have to use this by like, candlelight because. Kubrick did it, and uh, yeah, so like it has this really unusual light quality to mm-hmm. it because they're using natural light, and it's not like they're not lighting every nook and cranny mm-hmm. of a room. They're like, no, this is what it would look like, which is like yeah. as, as much as you can make. Well, you still want to make a nice looking film. You don't want to make it look mm-hmm. a crappy looking. Like you don't want to look, look like your house. But I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty tough to do that when you're like shooting in these like this opulent palace. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I would have never made the lighting connection to Barry Lyndon. Like, there's all the other very obvious Barry Lyndon connections. When I got done, I was like, maybe I'll watch Barry Lyndon. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, that's in the Criterion proper. Never mind. No, just watch. Never Barry. watch just, it again. Just watch Barry Lyndon. Watch it's it. too late now, though. No, I should have watched it before. Have you not seen Barry Lyndon? Yeah, I have. Okay. Well, you can just watch yeah. it again and then watch it for a third time, like ten years from now. Ten years from now, Cause that, I Because that that movie is amazing. Yeah, I could. I might do a, a Kubrick rewatch soon, but more on that next week. Uh, but no, yeah, I just I think the the lighting scenes for me that stuck out the most were. When they were walking around like the mansion and it was the light coming in through the windows. But I thought it was such yeah. a I don't know, it, it looks great and it doesn't look like anything else. Um I don't know. It's a very uh Well, there's like the one where it's like where all the candles are lit all throughout all these hallways and every mm-hmm. single cause it's like, well, yeah, there's no electricity. And so every single room is like, well, we gotta light it. Uh, and so it's like so it's always like feels dangerous because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's, that could just tip over and this cause a, lot a of fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I liked the candles in the dark and all that things, but uh, I really liked that light coming in through the window. So that was cool. Um, the lobster races, uh, you were right. We were cheated. The world wants mm-hmm. to see those lobster races. Yeah. Uh, I did like the duck races and Horatio. Yeah. Uh, I was very happy that no, no harm came to Horatio and he was just – that guy really loved his duck, and I would too. I would too, Jerry. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite moments was uh, the shooting gallery with like the blood oranges. Oh yes, uh, that that one uh, that stuck out to me. When that happened, I was kind of looking around to see if that 80, 80, 90 year old lady what her opinion was, but I couldn't. Uh, she was probably couldn't tell. she was probably asleep by that point. She was probably asleep, but uh, I don't know what uh, what else is there to say about the favorite um, uh, gout. Gout, gout, gout sucks, man. I didn't realize the treatment for gout was just putting raw beef on uh, your feet and legs. It was the uh, olden times. And then what happens to her at the end? Does she have a stroke or like? Well, she, yeah, I mean, there's or like, does the gout like overtake her? Well, they don't, I mean, they don't know, but like her uh, symptoms are like kind of like somewhere between like a stroke and palsy. So, I mean, like the thing is, if mm-hmm. you had a stroke and it didn't kill you, you were just like not well and you like, that's it. And you'd be like, oh. Well, you're the queen. We're not going to talk about that. As you know, you are the chosen person of God. <laughs> That's real. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, how, how did the uh, how did the ending hit for you? I'm curious. Not getting into specifics. I mean, there's no real like big twist or anything like that. But like the whole like uh, long extended vibe of uh, rabbits and like it's like very uh, Lynchian with his like low mm-hmm. rumbling ambient sound and it's just like long shots of people's faces. I did like that it seemed a little bit more like uh, reserved or subtle. It was a little held back, like in my mind at least. But I think it also kind of sets up like kind of what you were saying where being that favorite comes with the good and the bad. So it's like building on, I guess, in like impending dread of what what's going to come next. So I kind of took it like in that sense and I thought it was a very nice well, not nice, but like a quiet, somber way to send it off. I don't know what Dem Rabbits is about, but uh, well, I think it's like uh, you're you're the it's like they're the rabbit. We're all just rabbits at the at mm. the behest of uh, our superiors. I thought it was pretty fucked up uh, that Emma Stone stepped on that bunny. Mm-hmm. That wasn't very nice at all. No, I missed Rachel Vice at that point. She was mean, but she was upfront about being mean. You know, yeah. Jared. 
No. That was her whole thing. She was like, yeah, I, I'm the only true love, baby. See, the character of a person is revealed in like how their their uh, behavior is when they're not being watched. Not being watched. That's like what I see you do all the time because I'm usually watching and there's just some bad stuff coming out of you. But uh, I uh, I think Olivia Coleman is definitely deserving of all those things. I thought she was great in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she. So you never watched Peep Show? She's she's like the one yeah, but she. You never watched Broadchurch, and she's like the lead actress in that. But she, except she's not. Is she? Is she yeah. in that show? Oh, see, I didn't yeah, she's know. she's like the lead actress in that show. See, we were ta- uh, a friend of and I were talking about that because uh, they had never seen Olivia Coleman oh. in anything. They're like, I don't know who that is, and I'm like, well, no, she's in some like British TV, like, and I couldn't figure, I couldn't remember where I'd yep. seen her in a bunch of stuff. I thought it was like some Chris Morris uh, thing, but I'm like, no, it's Peep Show. I'm like, oh yeah, she's Sally. Because she kind of is there, and then like now she's kind of been ramping up into movies, and I'm sure now, like regardless of she wins a uh, best actress now, uh, she'll probably get tons of roles where she gets to play queens uh, constantly uh, forever. And, then, and yeah, she, like, what's his, what's that guy's name? Bill Nighy? How he like just isn't fucking yeah. everything forever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's she's she's gonna become like that. Well, she's been around for a while though. Like yeah. cause she was in uh, Hot, Hot Fuzz, The Lobster. Um, peep show, like you said, but I, I recognized her from Broadchurch because she is, uh, her and, uh, your buddy David Tennant are the leads of that show. Mm. And that show was, I think like when we watched season one and two, and I think when season one came out, it was, it was big in Britain and it was big enough here. Remember they did that American remake of an already English show with like Nick Nolte and, uh, that and David Tennant was in it. He he played his same character, but without his British or his Scottish accent. You mean like Shameless? Yes. Yeah. But I I think that one's notable because they got the the literal actual same actor to be in both of them, just doing different accents. Yeah. But yeah, no. Um, she was very good. Uh, your girl Emma Stone. Uh, Mm. that your rape ghost uh star (laughs) Emma Stone. Uh, she was very good, and uh, I I've always liked Rachel Vice a lot. Yeah. When uh, she was married to Aronofsky and uh, she gave that stellar performance in The Fountain. Ooh, baby. You remember that, Jared? How about those costumes in that favorite? Uh, yeah, the the costumes are exquisite. Was that not nominated for an Oscar for that? Because I, I, I saw the it, other... I can't imagine it wasn't. Like That would be uh, baffling. A gross oversight? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was. Well, for some reason, I was like scrolling through that stuff because I got to do that Oscar pool shit, and oh, yeah. uh, I went by what was that Sunday. Um, yeah, yeah. Fuck. I went by. Okay, it is. There, there is a different thing that's not crediting Sandy Powell uh, on one of those forums where you can look at the things. Okay. Doesn't matter. No. Uh, yeah, the all the costumes were great. All the set was great. Um, I'm not talking about the movie itself, but I don't think I need to. It was good. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't have to talk about that movie. Right? You, people should watch it. You like Nick, that? You, you like that Yorgos? Check Nicholas, it out. Nicholas Holt was pretty good, I thought. Um, that guy with the gigantic nose was pretty good. Mm-hmm. What is that guy in? The guy with the gigantic nose. Who is married to Rachel Weiss? Oh. Do you, do you know who I'm talking about? No. Okay, so you know how Rachel Weiss was married to like yeah the the governor the bro- and yeah the, bro- the brother of the the queen. general yeah, yeah or whatever that guy has like a huge gigantic nose 
Mark Gatiss. Okay. Oh. What is this guy? Oh yeah, he was he played uh Mycroft in uh, Sherlock. Okay. Yeah, that guy's got a huge nose for it. Huge. Nice. Huge. Uh do you wanna talk about the favorite any at all anymore? No, I mean I talked about it last week. Um Okay. I, I mean I would say I I think it's a really great movie. Uh but you know it's no sacred deer, but uh what what can be? I, I agree with you too. I think Sacred Deer I liked better. I don't know if it's the like the weird cold dialogue in Sacred Deer and it's got some like pretty, the unexplainable stuff yeah. that happens in so it's, it. It's got some pretty like I think more memorable images on the whole because mm-hmm. they're just like and they're just more original. Whereas this is like yeah, this is still a period piece. At the end of the day, there's like uh, I love the like serving the servants in the favorite, which uh, mm. like. He's like, oh, you can't have her over here. Go, go somewhere else. <laughs> like, so yeah. Yeah, that was. He was like, you're gonna do that. Go to the barn. Yeah, <laughs> it's just good. Uh, yeah, good old, good old rape. And uh, what else we got there? Oh yeah, the hand in the lie. That's uh, mm-hmm. just like how, and just yeah, the beauty, the beauty of that movie, how it's shot and everything. The weird like yeah. the way the distortion of the lenses that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. That super cool. Oh, it's stuff. like that fisheye stuff um, yeah. or fishbowl lens. Yeah. See, I thought I found that a lot more effective than uh, other fancy footwork at camera work that I'll talk about in a minute. For I'll second. just leave off and say that uh, I think out of everything I've seen, I think the favorite should win all of the Oscars out of what's nominated, but sure. I doubt it will. Yeah, that's pretty well how I am. Like favorite just feels like it's like the Phantom Thread mm-hmm. movie where it's like this is obviously the better movie of like this batch. Um, but I mean, I think, but you know what probably will win? The movie you watched after this that I Roma baby. Oh. So I thought this movie was about Ray Romano, but it wasn't. Oh shit! So uh, zero stars. Well, I guess next time you should listen to when I talk about movies. <laughs> okay, I think I I don't know if I've ever mentioned, but like when you talk about movies, no, you've talked that, about this before. Okay, yeah. that I actually do want to see. I don't listen very very good. Sure. But I don't listen very good in normal life, anyways. Yeah. So talking about, I don't need to t- say what Rome was about, right? You covered that. I guess you. In your words. In my words, uh, it's about um, the lower middle class Mexicans and then the white Mexicans, which you described in the last <laughs> podcast, uh, and the maids uh, and house servants who serve the hot middle to upper class. I think, I think yeah, Mexican yeah, people. it's about uh, I don't know, it's a again, slice of life. It's kind of like it's kind of like there's like elements of like the favorite, I get, I suppose, in this, uh, like mm-hmm. as far as like power structures if you want to start getting pretentious you know change yeah. it up a little bit because yeah mm-hmm. like you, you have your indigenous mexicans who are like oh their life uh gets marginally better because of like um people building shit in in the cities and stuff like that and like hire you to like raise their kids yeah. um but at the same time it's like that's your life and uh you're still like on this cusp of like complete destitution Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally, to- totally, to- totes, totes. So, um, speaking of, so I thought Roma was fine. Yep. Uh, like it's definitely a good movie. Like, yeah, but, um, it's, it's the same reason I put it off for so long. And like what I was talking about is that hype machine gets going and people start talking about shit. And then I feel like I go into it more critical than I should be. So I was like, there were a lot of things I was like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I have a problem with this when I probably shouldn't do that. If I just watched it on my own, 
which is like not a good opinion or like way to make your opinions yeah, but i, I can't mean, help it that's always a danger of hype to end up blame yeah. it, but i don't know i feel like the things that you might be talking about uh because we haven't talked about this movie between the two of us mm-hmm. at all um are things that like when i was watching it i kind of just felt uh indifferent to these things but i was like sure. was like eh, this is happening this is mm-hmm. in the movie but i don't know if it's like all that interesting but then there's those moments that are like oh that's really well done that's like a really mm-hmm. that's a good scene that's really well built but then it kind of goes back to like stuff where you're like hmm i see where he's going with this but i still he's not winning me over and i should yeah. be and i shouldn't be aware of that i shouldn't be feeling mm-hmm. like that um and that camera work that i'm sure you'll talk about it's Ugh. it's way too self-conscious of itself it's uh it's just mm-hmm. like it's I, I don't know it felt cr- like crappy to me like i, I don't know what so, like, i don't know if that's like the yeah. right way of putting it but yeah good, good, sorry that, that's exactly no that's exactly what i thought so um <clears throat> he f- there's a lot of scenes in this movie where he just put the camera on like an oscillating fan and the <laughs> camera goes all the way left and then it goes all the way right and then it goes all the way left and it happens like so many times that uh like i honestly couldn't tell i was like i don't know if this is like really nice and innovative like not that it's original or anything but like if this is a great use of that craft or if this is like some pretentious ass shit and it's like embarrassing the way how much he uses it in this because that's what it i didn't like after the second time i was like uh I was like, I don't need to see that anymore. And it happens. And it happens, and it happens, and it happens. Where I, And I know some people are probably like, that's my favorite part because the camera's just like uh, in the room, man. Uh, Which is fine, too. Like, if you like it, that's fine. It's just I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was good. There's kind of the payoff, I guess, of like one scene where it's like where you see um, – uh, what's her name? The main character, the housemaid. For like yeah. for, for at the beginning when she kind of like walks through the house – and then it's just kind of like oh. this, like kind of weird, like you're like, why are they shooting all this? And then at the end of the movie, when like life's changed, but they're still in the house and rooms are different. Mm-hmm. And then you, oh, he's that same shot. Cool, I guess. But it's like that's fine. Like, and then the movie just kind of ends at that point. You're like, oh, it's like bookends itself, man. Yeah, I think it's just overused too much. And um, and then I think thinking- a lot. Or yeah, there's, there's, sorry. There's the one too where it's like on the beach where you're. I was kind of like wondering, like, yeah. how, did they, how did they shoot that all over the water and then back over across the land? Because that's like one big, really mm-hmm. long continuous shot. And in my mind, I was trying to think like, how did they do that? And how would I do that? And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Ultimately, but. yeah, that's. I was thinking that too, like, because there's got to be breaks in it because the kids just pop up from under the water unless he just had those kids underwater on like scubas. And they were just breathing under it, which I don't know. I don't know how shallow that water was. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but kind of like what you said, I think he does build up some things really nice. Like he does set up certain things. Uh, like when she's at the hospital and there's like the earthquake and stuff like falls on that new, that yeah. like premature baby. And then like with what happens later, I think there are things that are set up good. And he does tackle some things good. Like, I think he shows divorce pretty well and kind of like kind of covert feminism, I think. Not even covert, like it's just there. Like I think he it's like these women kind of with at different classes struggling with either similar or very different life things because of where they are in society. So I thought that was good. Um the day-to-day life living in this place. Like I think he does all that stuff 
very well. But there are a few things that I thought was a little heavy handed. Like, no, <laughs> there, the the one that stands out for me the most is like the naked ninja guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Which I feel like is supposed to be like a Fellini character. Because no, Fellini... <laughs> but like. I don't when he's at the training camp and you have like the luchador guy showing them technique, the professor. Yeah. And hey, he does uh, like, so that's actually uh, I, I found this out afterwards. That's a, that's a guy. His, his uh, ring name is Latin lover. And actually this fun. is the first movie I think that's ever been nominated for best picture that has a, luchador? actually there's, there's two, there's two movies this year that have uh pro wrestlers in them. But like one's like a guy, he's like an extra or a stunt man in mm-hmm. black Panther. Uh, used to be what cr- about the wrestler. Cr- that was never nominated for Best Picture. Oh, okay. But it does have wrestlers in it. But, uh, it yeah, this is the first one where it's like, yeah, uh, that's like, yeah, Latin Lover. So if it wins, uh, it'll be the first movie with a pro wrestler to win. Was Man on the Moon not nominated for it, uh, it sure, awards? It sure wasn't, nor was Ed Wood. Hmm. Selfish. No. Uh, but anyways, the the moment where in that luchador, luchador guy does his, like, T-pose or whatever, and the plane just flies by over top, I was mm. like... Mm, I don't know about that. Uh, like, I, I don't know what his symbolism for but the planes the, all the time the, are. Yeah. Is it emerging between like modern life and uh, techno technological advancements? Or is it like a symbolism for people leaving and like city structures and things like oh, that? And like people moving on? You know, I, my, I'm not well, quite sure. You know, I, I see my, my take on that sort of is uh insignificance of uh, our day to day lives. Okay. Yeah. See, that's another way you could take it. Yeah. Like everything you do, it's like, well, your life is just like nothing in the scope of someone else. Cause like they're just above you, but it doesn't mean anything because they're, they're insignificant. You're insignificant, but like anything what we're doing, it's just like nothing. So, which, which like cool. (laughs) I'm I'm already there, baby. (laughs) I think that's fine. And like, I don't know. There are a lot of themes and that like, I th- some that work and some that don't and there's a lot of stuff where it's like this is very clearly a personal movie for him like all the tv and movies that get played it's like i'm sure that's all his favorite tv and movies that he watched when he was a little kid and like even the cereal that they're eating uh, it, i was like i'm sure that's his cereal too uh which is cool but i think at some point i don't know i don't know if it like it wore me down i was just like nah. I'm not as interested and in, I don't know if it's just context. Like I have no idea what growing up in 1970s Mexico would be like. I, so, so I don't know, you if, know what though. I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's his job to make you care, to make you care. And, well, uh, I don't yeah. know. If, I, I said like, I don't know. I, maybe he's not doing his job as well as he should because maybe it should like, it yeah. shouldn't, it shouldn't, those details shouldn't matter, but it's like mm-hmm. if he's hanging so much on it for like details, but specificness for himself, that's mm-hmm. fine, I guess, but I mean, for uh, an audience, it's like, well, make me care about it too, yo. Yeah, that's actually a good point because, like, with the favorite, I was completely like tapped into what was going on with these characters, and it was like you see it going one way, and you're like, oh no, don't don't do that, or it's going a different way, and you're like, oh yeah, that's the stuff, and I felt like that was pretty, like, flawlessly engaging. Whereas for Roma, kind of like what you said, you're like. You feel you should just care about these people, but you, the way I felt too is is like, I feel like I should care about them more than I do because I don't really care, um, and I feel like I, I haven't been engaged or enough to be invested in the movie yet. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there's moments that do work. I mean, there's like those scenes that I think, uh, I think even like the first scene where like uh, the dad's parking that car, mm-hmm. uh, that, that seems like really well done. Like, it's just like a very, like, it's such a simple idea. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I've seen this in other things, but it's like, oh, that's like really well staged. Like it's mm-hmm. all like the close-ups are there and like the relationship, it's like really good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole like kind of like back story of like, or like this, like the backdrop of like the dog shit. Like throughout, like it's a it's, metaphor, Jared. It is a metaphor, and like you don't realize that's like that opening shot is like real, like tedious as hell. And it's like it's kind of oh, like, yeah. man, I don't know, I don't know what you're and doing. Andrew here. is pretty put off by that. I know, I, and I, I mean, it's it's one of those. It's a statement, right? It's telling you this is the type of movie you're about to watch. So if you don't like that, but it's like, well, yeah. But now people are just going to go like now they're you're antagonizing them. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is the kind of movie but, we're gonna watch. But okay. do you see? You can see the reflection now. Now it's like in the the. It's like a, it's real art school. It's art house. It's like an art. I, I could. I, this I, whole I movie would, is art house. To a yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's got that um, like with the b- black and white stuff. Like I was thinking about yeah. uh, like Manhattan. Is we like, can get into see, that. Okay, so like Manhattan. Next. I mean, does it like? I have to go back and be curious to see how people talked about Manhattan, like Woody Allen's choice to make that movie black and white, because it's kind of like, oh, it really adds something and it looks beautiful. Um, but was that shot on film though? Yeah, it sure was. Um, and then Roma. So the story goes, his cinematographer was not available, his usual dude. And so mm-hmm. he shot this movie himself, uh, mm-hmm. a la P.T. Anderson uh, for Phantom Thread, which I've brought up many times in the past. Um, and But he also made the decision, apparently, RJ. So he shot mm-hmm. this in color, but with full intent to make it black and white. So See, I think that's horseshit, though. <laughs> but, but, but it's like reading this thing it was on IndieWire. I sent this to you, and we both rolled our eyes. Because yeah. it's like he made he wanted his actors to think in black and white. <laughs> and like it was like, what? It's like, that's asinine. Because people don't never lived in black and white. It's like, are, is he one of those people that like he still thinks that like, yeah, the world used to be black and white in the 50s, and then it turned to color. It's like, it's such a weird idea. Well, okay, so here... This is this bridge is I think the biggest problem I have with this movie is that it is in black and white, uh, and there was like and it's, certain and it's not, it doesn't look that good and it shouldn't yeah and it like it's just I think what you were saying the other week is you really have to justify it if you're gonna do that now and not just to be like it's it's a classy thing to do uh, and like I, I can see there's all sorts of different ways you can interpret it where you could be like oh black and white for like the class system or it's like uh, like oppression of women or of culture or like any of these other different things. And, uh, on my letterbox review, some people were commenting on like what I just said. And one one person was talking about how he thought it was black and white because it was the past. And it's also like memories. And I think, I think that's fine, but I disagree with that because like, and it's kind of like what you said, Alfonso Cuaron, like, his his logic where it's like well it was black and white in the past it's like okay well even when tv 19, was black in 1970 <laughs> well maybe in mexico they didn't have color tvs but well, like you, yeah, you, yeah I see, well I'm, I'm sure that the doctor could afford a color tv that, in 1970 yeah, it's like yeah. good god like <laughs> yeah so like but even so say that say that regardless of mexico or anywhere else say black and white tv was all people had I don't think people would like dream in black and white, like what was commented on my page, because it's like, isn't the point 
like dreaming bigger. So it's like, why would you go back into a certain thing where it's like, personally, I would rather dream in color because that's what I do dream in. And that's like a real cringy metaphor for something bigger. But it's like, why would you go back? Do people actually dream in black and white? No, no, I don't think so. That's not true because it's like, why would they? And to I think the biggest problem with that and that's like a bigger psychological like thing in general is like like dreams and like what certain meaning is and even being able to assume what other people do uh like outside of it it's like even if you do something and you talk about it with someone else that doesn't mean it's the same thing like things people experience things in different ways and I'm getting off on like a different thing here, but I think the biggest thing for me is like when you were saying that he went into it knowing it would be black and white, I think that totally throws off uh, people's uh, like any, any claim someone has that this thing was done intentionally like set up where it's like it, it's, I don't know. I'm finding it really hard to like articulate what I'm, what I think about this thing, but it's, I, I just think it's a cop shitty thing to do because it, he felt like it would class up the movie when it, it didn't need to be like that. And I feel like it takes away from the movie too. So, cause uh, my, the last thing I'll say yeah. is when, when we were watching it, Andrea made a good point where she was just like, she's like, it's such a, like, you can tell that the, the things in the, like the city and the house are so colorful. And it was like, why would you take that color away? Like it'd be so vibrant and alive is like, so there's such an intentional reason to take the color out there. And it's like, but why? And that's all I could think about is like, yeah, why? Yeah. So part of me is like of the mind that maybe he realized he's like not a professional cinematographer, director of photography, and he doesn't really know necessarily how to shoot stuff, but boy, yeah. black and white's a good cover for that and uh, makes fixes a lot of mistakes that you might make and just says, hey, sure. but it looks classy and it's like memory and you can just mm-hmm. say that and people go, yes. Look, it's so wide in black and white. <laughs> and go, it sure is. It but sure it, yeah. is. See, that's the thing too that I don't like, like about memory. It's like my memories aren't in black and white. Why are, why are other people? So here's the thing that I just popped into my mind. I'm trying to think of like recent, like, uh, where black and whites used as a, uh, affectation, I guess. And, uh, Twin Peaks season eight, uh, or season three, episode eight, the, uh, that, that, the episode Mm. where like the second half is like all like black and white, but it's like a fifties, like science fiction film. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like in the past and it delineates that, oh, this is in the past, but it wasn't in black and white, but it kind of fits because it's like a, it's out in the desert and there's brains mm-hmm. being crushed and it's like the strangest thing. Um, there it seems acceptable. And I don't know why it, just, it didn't bother me there. Um, but here it's kind of like, like, to me, it, I think it's like about, it feels like false prestige. Whereas like, I don't think there's <laughs> anything prestigious at all in its use in that. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I was trying to say is yeah. that it's like it is like false prestige because the whole because everything else is in color and then we mm-hmm. use black and white sets in the past. But when your entire film is set in the past, it's like, well, why don't you just make Goodfellas all in black and white then too, right? And it's just like mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's the movie. That's a decision that you made, and I don't know. You don't. It's weird. Yeah. Do you think uh, Captain Marvel that Marvel movie is takes place in the '90s? Do you think they'll have a, a black and white cut? So I'm sure someone had a black and white TV somewhere still in the nineties. So why not? Sure. No. Anyways, like, I, I don't know. Uh, it's like you said, when you were like, I'm being mean to this movie. I feel like I am too, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think it's as good as everyone wants it to be. Do you think it's going to win? 
Probably, but I, I honestly, I, Bohemian Rhapsody could win at this point, and I, I wouldn't oh, give dude. a shit. But I could, I would also not be surprised just because it's like I have no idea. <laughs> There's some tweet of like Jesus Christ, people. Like I get that you like Queen, but this doesn't mean Bohemian Rhapsody is a good movie. Because like, yeah, th- yeah, I don't know. It's- yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. I think my my money would be on um. Uh, a star is born yeah. uh, as the surprise hit because I think it checks a lot of boxes with the Hollywood folk. Right. I think uh, the favorite uh, is definitely my top pick so far. I we're gonna watch Black Klansman um, sometime in the next couple days, uh, so I'll I'll update you on that. But that's the only other movie I'm actually really interested in out of any of them. I don't give a shit about like Green Book or Vice or whatever the other movies are. I, I can't even, well, I don't even remember. But based on what you've been watching lately, you do care a great deal about uh, men being horribly murdered. Okay. So do we have time? Should I keep t- Yeah, going? yeah. Okay. Go for it, big okay. daddy. Upgrade, uh, the Jarrett <laughs> pick. Um, I think you undersold this movie. I, I think this movie is crazy I, good. Well, okay. I don't think I undersold it. Cause yeah, when it's good, when like the violence and all that stuff's awesome, but the, mm-hmm. the fucking acting and dialogue in this are shit, but boy, okay. like the, the violence and ending are so great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So this Jared, I watched on crave. Uh, yeah. The violence up front, the violence is spectacular. I audibly, I was alone and I audibly gasped. <laughs> at uh, a couple of the violent things like the first one the the home invasion knife scene yeah uh the way that is concluded i i honestly out loud i was just like <gasps> i was like I, I it stunned me to my core i was just like oh my god i can't believe that they did that um i actually think this movie is very good i i was super happy watching this thing um there, there's definitely like a couple down parts, like a couple bowls where you're just like, ah, move it along. His but, mom. Okay, uh, so late, I actually, late, late lady cop. Yeah, the I think the cop scene was, or like the cop inclusion was the only thing that I thought didn't need to be here. Like you could have just done away with that. Um, I actually thought the mom stuff was really good. My favorite scene in this movie, Jarrett, was when he was getting his beard cut from his mom, and he and uh, he just like it was very emotional. I was like, oh, wow, uh, because I was actually like emotionally affected by that. And I was like, this movie upgrade uh, within like 10 minutes has made me invested in this character where two and a half hours of Roma, uh, I, I didn't give a shit at all about any of those people. Uh, oh, my God. I knew it. I was like, when I saw your square upgrade, I'm like, is it because you like, like, OK on Roma? You're like, yeah, upgrade. That's what I need. Best picture. <laughs> it's like, it was uh, it was a good chaser, actually, like a, yeah. from watching Roma uh, and then going right into upgrade. It was it was perfect because I was just like, <laughs> man, I just really need to. Just throw something fun on, and you know, like kick back, relax. Does, doesn't it feel like a? Doesn't it feel just like a pilot though for a TV show we'll never get? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, I do think the ending is actually super satisfying though. Where I was just like, I was like, that's perfect. It's just got those like, uh, ex machina vibes. Yeah, it does. I I hope that uh, the boys at Blumhouse don't try to make upgrade two, and they just use this energy and put it into something else. I know Lay Winnell. Uh, got that Blumhouse contract to do the Invisible Man, and that's cool. I think he would do a better job with it than uh, whatever Johnny Depp had planned at uh, the Dark Universe. And Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah, that too. But 
Um, no, yeah, I thought this movie was really good. Like, I thought, uh, I thought the story itself, uh, there wasn't anything that some of it you might know where it's going or whatever. And you're, I thought it was fine. Like, even if there were certain things, I was like, I think this is how it'll happen. And if it did, I was like, I'm still cool with it because I think it was executed very well. Um, and there's something just something that made me happy watching this guy like in a wheelchair uh like just scoot around and then burn, uh, like murder <laughs> and like brutalize all these people and uh, then like just go back through the bar and he's like see you guys later we, we had reports that you were uh, at the murder scene yeah i was just checking on something in my wheelchair yeah i'm i'm, I'm in a wheelchair i couldn't uh, possibly do that so I thought that was good. I actually thought the interplay between him and Stem was uh, – there were some times where I thought it was actually like really funny. Uh, again, like that home invasion scene where he's like, can I take over now? And he's like, okay. And then all the action is really good. But the dialogue in that scene I think is so fucking funny where uh, Bo Rent, Tom Hardy, is just <laughs> like, oh – He's like, don't do that. And then like something bad will happen and be like, oh, God, don't, please. Um, it was good. I thought that stuff was really funny. So I don't know, man. I thought Upgrade was tremendous. Uh, the violence. Tremendous. Tremendous. The violence was like totally over the top. I thought the story was pretty good. I think it really nails the ending, which uh, if it didn't, I don't think I would have liked it as much. But um, yeah, Upgrade is awesome. No, I like his. Uh, yeah, I like uh, fake Tom Hardy's uh, weird uh, like robot walk, where he's like, oh, "I am possessed." <laughs> yeah, he no, he actually has great body language. He does. Like, uh, he's got good presence, and he he's a, a surprise hit. Like, did you ever watch The Invitation, that horror movie? That was yes. Uh, I, I, I don't remember him at all in it, but uh, I, I, well, that, I yeah, I, I, have, I have seen that. He's just like the the quiet lead of that, but. Right. Um, yeah, this guy's good. I like him, and I like Lee Winnell. He he's been around for a long time, but as a writer, not a director. No. So yeah, upgrade. It's good stuff. I like it a lot, Jared. Wonderful. Hey, do you want to hear about eighth grade? Uh the other no. the other raid. The other raid. Uh, this is Ladybird Part Two. Yep. Uh, modern age Ladybird, I guess. So 8th Grade is by Bo Burnham, that uh, YouTube Vine star. Uh, I actually like Bo Burnham. He seems like a nice kind of guy. He doesn't seem like shitty, but I don't know. Maybe he is behind closed doors. 8th Grade is about a girl just finishing up 8th Grade. She lives with her single-parent father, who is super supportive and friendly. But she is angsty and teen. She's not very popular. She has anxiety uh, and she's it's all about her trying to put herself out there and I don't know, just make friends, I guess, Jared. But she she tries with, to make friends with the wrong people. She tries to make friends with the popular kids and then she tries to make friends with older kids uh, and neither of those work out very well. So it's it's about her kind of finding her place. Um, it's great is good. Uh, it's a very well uh, made like first movie. I think he does it. You, you wouldn't be able to tell it was his first time directing or writing a movie, I don't think. Well, he doesn't, like, walk into a frame by accident and go, whoops, and leave it in. Whoops. Well, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, whoever edited it or whatever did a good job, I guess. Um, but I, I liked it. it. It actually has, like, some really strong uh, positive um, relationships between people. Like, the dad and the daughter is a, a good positive relationship. And, like, her with some of the other friends – 
are like actual good things instead because i think this thing could have very easily went the other way where it's just like look how shitty teenagers are it's like instagram is ruining the world because it does like touch on to that stuff a little bit and i think with someone not as good they could have really took a hot dump on this kind of like idea and just made it bad but uh no it's good there there's a couple of really funny things like um i think he he like whoever however he places the music in this thing is good because like when she looks at the hot teen boy this like really intense music comes on it's like boom dun 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 and it, it just makes him seem like an action star i thought it was funny it was good so i don't know eighth grade is it's a good show i liked it uh i don't think it's a ladybird but that might just be because ladybird was closer and real lifetime for my age and this is more about the new kids so the kids that you're going to be teaching really soon yeah in a junior high actually so yeah this was homework no but i don't know i don't really have much else to say about eighth grade actually it it was good it was a good show yeah it's just weird that like you, you have a24 like really cornering this market between ladybird and mid 90s eighth grade mm-hmm. And I'm just like upgrade the upgrade. Um, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay. I don't know. They're not, these are the movies that are speaking to me at the moment. Yeah, that's fine. Catch my meaning because I like to watch documentaries, RJ. Oh, what kind of documentaries? Well, uh, I watched one film besides uh, horse's mouth this week and that was (laughs) abducted in plain sight. And, uh, I this just popped up on Netflix randomly. Chanel watched yep. it a couple weeks ago, and she was like, "Jesus Christ, what the fuck is this shit?" And I was, I was like, kind of coming and going out of the room, and I'm like, "What?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "She's like, this is this like the craziest story. This is this, like I haven't felt this way since watching The Imposter, which was also a documentary um, that also took some ludicrous plot twists, I guess. Uh, so I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, cool. Well, maybe I'll watch that someday." And then another friend of mine. They watched this after I'd mentioned Chanel's reaction, and they were like, "Fuck, this is crazy! Like, it doesn't—it's just like, <laughs> what? What is this even about?" And so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, "Okay, well, I'll definitely watch that this weekend." And so I did. And just of course, as I was uh, watching it, I was like, "Oh, I wonder who else on Letterbox has watched this?" And I saw your uh, good, close, personal friend Ryan uh, has mm-hmm. had watched it or attempted to watch it the very night before, <laughs> and uh, wrote, "Yuck." Just don't. And I was like, is that good advice? Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. I, I, it's more like in the context, uh, knowing that he is a uh, a father of children perhaps, and, yeah. and young children. Perhaps he's kind of like a little skeeved out by this. Whereas uh, the people who are uh, saying I had to Monsters watch this like are you. all well, childless, childless mm-hmm. adults that are in for uh, this sort of ghoulery. So, Abducted in Plain Sight, uh, this originally was called Forgive B, which is like mm-hmm. a really bad title, but it makes sense once you've watched it. Um, it's about this Mormon family uh, that became friends with a man and his family, but it turns out this guy had designs on their daughter, who was like 12 years old. And uh, one day, he, mm. one one day, he's like, "Yeah, I'm taking her to like dance recital. See y'all later." <laughs> and then he leaves, and then he disappears for like days. And then they're like, "Oh, maybe we should call the police." 
after, after, after days after days and you're like oh, what, what is this what is this about and then it's like oh they're mexico and uh married and mm-hmm. oh and then you're like well that's okay this is just i mean um from a filmmaking standpoint this is very by the numbers in fact it feels mm-hmm. like a tv movie like not sorry not a tv movie like a one of those like true crime tv shows that's like usually 20 minutes long but usually this is actually like an hour and a half like it's a feature length documentary but like oh it's only an hour and a half i thought it would be like one of those netflix oh, things fuck. where it's there's not like a, seven hours uh, well maybe uh the makers here maybe they thought well we can make this we can stretch this out to like six hours but no there's just mm-hmm. there's not enough there to do that which is fine be, but you know what though you could i mean you could argue because uh of how ridiculous this story is essentially it's like you know you watch a documentary and there's usually like one big crazy plot twist that like changes everything that you've watched up to that point mm-hmm. and that like that's what usually makes like kind of like a good memorable documentary this has got like eight of those moments and it's just because you're just like what the fuck is this like what is this story who are these people how how dumb can you possibly be and like <laughs> these people like there's some someone's lying here like there's gonna, there's gonna be someone lying like there's just too many things and it's just I don't know it's bonkers. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. I'm trying to like decide if there's anything specific I would say. I'd say it's worth watching if it's on, if it's on Netflix in your country. Check it out. Um, mm. it's, it's not going to like. Yeah, again, it's not like a documentary that's going to be like, wow, what an amazing piece of documentary filmmaking. But it's like bizarre and uh you can you can see how far you can get into it but uh knowing that it's like yeah no this is about a unrepentant uh like pedophile uh and like how he got away with it for like way too long and how people seem to be like okay with it and convince themselves mm-hmm. and to be like yeah i mean i could see his point and you're like what the no <laughs> but it was a different time you know rj it was the 1970s apparently and mm-hmm. uh the rules were just different and it's just like ah that's fine here just sign this document that says that you knew that this was happening and it's like oh, okay <laughs> it's um it's, it's like i i could definitely see why someone would watch this and just be like i'm done i i can't i can't deal with these people anymore because it's like yeah there's like not a lot of redeeming qualities about this family like Mm -hmm. they're not like evil people but they sure are either just ignorant or just flat out stupid um and so there's sort of that like quality of just like uh a geek show of watching it it's kind of like yeah it's incredulous kind of like how people like this can exist in the world that's kind of a bummer um what's the uh (laughs) Is there any like real wow moments in that movie? Real wow moments? Yeah, was there anything you're just like wow? Uh yeah, there is. But like I feel like you should just watch it cuz you it's about mm-hmm. maybe like in the about a half hour in and then that's just like where you go what the fuck? And like every time anyone watches it, you everyone just goes what the fuck? <laughs> cuz mm-hmm. it's just like this, this that's madness. I just can't imagine that. And it's yeah, it's baffling. Well, baffling. I heard that uh, that documentary was inspired by your life. Uh, we don't talk about that, RJ. Oh. <laughs> oh, I lost my breath for a second there. Oh. oh. Hey, RJ. 
What? <laughs> you got any news Fox. for us? No. Hey, you want to hear about some Criterions being released in May? Oh, no, I don't think I do. Do you like games, RJ? Like game night? Yeah, like game night. Well, RJ, Criterion heard about this, and they're like, hey, RJ, we got your games covered. Because, number one, <laughs> we're re-releasing House of Games, directed by David Mamet on Blu-ray, which is oh, cool. Which is cool. That's a wonderful movie. Uh, if people don't realize that, David Mamet, great playwright, uh, made a whole bunch of like a whole bunch made uh, several films about cons and stuff. And House mm-hmm. of Games is one of those. Uh, also, Spanish Prisoner. There's a movie that Criterion should really put out. Uh, they're uh, really awesome. House of Games. I haven't, it's been a while since I watched it, but it's got that Ricky J. Uh, and it's a good time. It's got a uh, Fat Tony as well. Hmm. But what? The, uh, uh, Joe what's his name? Joe Montaigne. Yeah, yeah. It's got it's got that fella in it, and RJ. Mm. That wasn't enough for games. We've also got Michael Haneke's Funny Games from 1997 One coming out from the Criterion Collection, which fucking co- ever seen. Coincidentally, in my life. you just watched in October, and back then I went, RJ, you do realize this is probably coming out from the Criterion Collection, like in the next year, right? And <sighs> well, what, why? Look at me, like I, I just know these things. It's like I'm, why? Ins- it's like I'm an insider. Why is that movie held in regard at all? That movie fucking sucks. It's like, well, I, I really don't get it. It's like I it's, really don't get it. Well, nine hundred weeks. We'll we'll get there. We'll talk about it. I'm not watching it again. You, you, you got my review on the podcast. No, we'll, we'll have to go real deep. I'll I'll, have can, to, I'll be I'll be uh, defending it a la Salo. You can edit my original take into your thing, so you can play around with all. You have countless but, hours. But see, the but the best part though is we'll have to watch the remake as well. The shot for shot remake yeah. that nobody. What are, what are the point of what's the point of all these things? Why do people do anything? <laughs> well, Just make know. Paddington movies and upgrade. Ooh, that's two movies I'll put together. There you go. Upgrade and Paddington. There you go. Ooh yeah. I don't have a funny title, but uh, that would be a good movie. You would watch that, right? Uh, yeah. Well, there might be some uh, edgy try hard stuff. I think. Oh, like Ted. Yeah. That Seth MacFarlane. Okay, never mind. I just want, I want Paddington movies once a year, and I want to watch Upgrade once a year. How's that sound? Sounds delightful. Hey, was there? Yeah, we got some what? others. We got uh, the Heiress, directed by William Wyler. I know that's been on your uh, watch list for a well, long I've, time. I've been waiting for so long for that thing. It's got a really great uh, kind of uh, embroidered cover. Looks kind of nice. I don't know anything about the movie, but uh, I did watch a bunch of William Wyler movies uh, the other year, and uh, I was liking what I was seeing. So cool. Uh, Let the sunshine in, directed by Claire uh, Denny, which mm. is another movie I don't really know anything about, but uh, Claire Denny cool she's she's all right and, i don't know who that is uh french female director who's directed movies like i talked about i think the butcher le boucher well, actually that's a movie that mm-hmm. should be criterionized mm-hmm. uh but rj one sings the other doesn't directed by one agnes varda you're one of your uh all-time favorite mm-hmm. uh directors i've seen uh some of her stuff actually yeah Old roommate Scott uh, had a uh, Agnes Varda Eclipse series set, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh no, wait! I think I'm thinking of someone else. Did Agnes Varda do Cleo from five to seven? It sure did. Oh, okay, never the mind. Vagabond. Mm-hmm. But is that it? Oh, there's, there's one more. A little film 
I like to call Blue Velvet was announced. Oh, right. That's pretty nice, actually. And it's got, and it's got a very nice uh, Blue Velvet curtain cover, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. That is like the only cover that you should probably make for Blue Velvet. And uh, it is a welcome addition to the collection to, to go along with uh, a very, like a growing number of, uh, I, just, I just looked over at my shelf with David Lynch films, a uh, collection of uh, Criterion branded David Lynch's. Okay, here's the thing though. That it's awesome that Blue Velvet is in there. I'm glad. But when is the Elephant Man Blu-ray Criterion going to come out? That's what everyone wants no, to know. No, for absolutely. Uh, Why I, is there no, no Elephant need, Man Blu-ray? Uh, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're working on it. Because uh, we got. Because you have that. That and Lost Highway would be very worthy additions to the Criterion collection. Absolutely. And uh, your favorite one, Inman Empire. See, I don't even know if that needs to be released on uh, Blu-ray or anything like that because it was shot on like video. Yeah. And uh, there's really like no upresing it. It's like always going to look the way that it does, which is shitty because it's the worst. Mm. It's the worst thing he's ever shit. done. It's the worst thing he's ever done, without mm-hmm. question. Uh, D- Dune all day long. Yeah, Dune's not bad. I, I'm going to try to read Dune this year before uh, that Denis Villeneuve uh, all-star hit movie comes out. I tried once, though. I got through like three, four pages, and I was like, oof. Yeah, that I was like, this Herbert's, is, uh, Herbert's, this is dense. That Herbert technical sci-fi, hard sci-fi writing is just kind of, I don't know. It's not pretty for me. pretty thick, my man. Thick. It's pretty thick. Two Cs. Thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. You ready to, ready to do this? Yeah, call up uh, our good friend Alec Guinness. All right. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Hi, Alec. We'll be right over. Is he still alive? No, Obi-Wan's long past. Oh. Okay. After the break, we're going on the boat, making some shitty paintings. (laughs) Oh, I thought you would have been a fan of that art. It's similar to your style. Nope. Good.
Oh, Lady Peter down in this corner, in the nude, laughing with pleasure. Sir William, Sir William down there, dead drunk. I shall sleep here. There are only two beds, ours and Arnold's. Lovely. Uh, Willie, Bob, Bobby will uh, sleep with Al, and I'll um, turn in with you. Let go! Let go! This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about The Horse's Mouth from 1958, directed by Ronald Neem. The tagline for the film, RJ. Oh, oh no. Smart Alec, sheer madness in all Guinness. The man's a genius. What does that fucking mean? Why are they talking about Alec Guinness in their poster? Because he's the star. He's smart. Alec. Guinness sounds like genius. Golly Jimson is a boorish <laughs> aging artist recently released from prison. A swindler in search of his next art project, he hunkers down in the penthouse of would-be patrons, the Beaters, while they go on an extended vacation. He paints a mural on their wall, pawns their valuables, and, along with the sculptor Abel, inadvertently smashes a large hole in their floor. Jimson's next project is an even larger wall in an abandoned church. That's a pretty good description, Jerry. It's like that's one that of the, the whole it's, thing. It's one of the better ones, honestly. Yep. That's uh, the that's the whole uh, meatball the there. Kitten caboodle. Mmm. Kitten and noodle. Yeah. So RJ, our good yeah. our our good friend comedy is back. Mmm. Which kind of comedy are we talking? Criterion comedies. Fishing with John comedy, or are we talking like? Uh, um, what was how to get ahead in advertising comedy? Ooh. Oh, Which kind of comedy are we talking about? God damn. Uh, somewhere in, in between. In between and maybe maybe, well, one of maybe the, below. Well, I mean, Fishing with John, it has been the best movie we've watched so far. <laughs> so somewhere in the middle is literally in the middle of our 150 movies. Like, you, go on. Tell me more about whatever you're talking about. Okay. Well, as as we talked about, when it comes to comedy, comedy is like I feel like the most subjective of uh, film stuff because it's like mm-hmm. it's either going to work for you or not, and it's pretty straight down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is kind of a mixed bag for me. I'd never seen this movie before, and uh, I kept kind of noticing that there was people who were like kind of saying like. Oh, I've only watched this because it was in the Criterion Collection. And, huh, this is a weird film of, like, all of these, like, kind of, like, 1950s, 60s, like, British films. Why is this one in the Criterion Collection? It's just, like, an odd one. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's the only film that Alec Guinness ever wrote. Uh, oh, he wrote this thing? Yeah, he wrote this. Weird. So, yeah, so he wrote this. It's uh, based on a novel. 
Uh, it's like a, a loose trilogy, I guess. I don't think the even the books have much to do with one another, though. Um, mm. But this is like the most noteworthy of this trilogy of books um, because it actually has a Wikipedia entry, <laughs> if that uh, <laughs> gives you actual legitimacy. But, uh, yeah, so Alec Guinness here, he's, like, kind of always been known to be, like, a man who really – he's, like, the Gary Oldman of his time, if you will. Like, Ooh, Alec Guinness? Yeah. Yeah, like, where, where it's, like, he's, like, the chameleon. Like, he kind of, like, falls into these mm. roles and he kind of blurs in and you're, like, I can't believe it. And he plays multiple characters. He's kind of like a Peter Seller, too. He was also a Gary Oldman of his time. I just want to keep saying that. Smart uh, Alec. Yeah. Smart Alec. Mm-hmm. Sheer madness. Um and so here, Alec Guinness, I don't know what the context really was of like how he was perceived uh, in this, like this character of uh, Jimson is kind of like going against his character type. Because uh, if you watch like Br- Bridge on the River Kwai, uh, he's like this upright c- citizen. And, is that uh, a future creep? No, that is not in the cre- that is not in the collection proper, but a damn, okay. a damn fine piece of filmmaking that one should watch. Mm-hmm. Um so here he plays a curmudgeon man, grumbly, kind of walking with a limp, schlubbing around in life, playing the, uh, I don't know, the artist. And this is always like a weird genre to watch. Um, having my uh, background in art history and having met a great deal of uh, artists um, in a like, you know, Midwestern world like where it's like not the high-end world you meet a lot of artist types and you get in a sense of like mm-hmm. they're just they're just plain folk that make stuff and sometimes they kind of bring on some extra baggage to make themselves more interesting this is kind of like more of the uh classic um cinematic kind of flourished version of an artist where they're very dramatic and self-destructive <laughs> and stuff like mm-hmm. that I, I was like thinking about there's a a nick nolte uh story where it's like he's like a he plays a he plays a painter and it's the direct it's martin Scor- sorry it's new york stories uh it's a short s- story anthology thing martin scorsese does a story in there and nick nolte plays like the deranged jackson pollock kind of uh painter who's got like painting block he just can't get his next one out and uh a woman's involved etc etc and then he, he finally gets mm-hmm. fi- things figured out it's kind of like a trope most are actual artist types kind of like roll their eyes at these depictions of artists in this particular type of way. And uh, I don't know. It's fine. Like I, mm-hmm. I it doesn't bother me so much. I'm used to it. Uh, nothing gets better than like a bucket of blood. Uh, the Roger Corman film, as far as like depictions mm-hmm. of like artist artists, I guess. Uh, and like just how stupid it all is uh, much mm-hmm. better than something like velvet buzzkill, which uh, can go die in a fire. Excuse me, could you elaborate on that? Velvet Buzzsaw? Buzzkill? What did I ever say? I don't even know. That movie sucks. Doesn't matter. Netflix. Uh, Anyway, so Alec Guinness. It opens up with him getting out of jail, as the synopsis says. uh, And uh, a young man, uh, Nosy, uh, who I found out, the actor who plays uh, Nosy, Mike Morgan, he died of meningitis shortly after this movie was shot. Oh. And so so he's like totally dubbed in this. Um, yeah, because he wasn't around to do those lines. Just his voice is dubbed, right? Like, they didn't get a completely different actor to act in half of the scenes, and then you didn't realize that it was a different actor for half, two different separate actors for the whole movie? RJ, when when did you notice that Nosy was played by two different people? Uh, (laughs) what I would like to say is that, uh, shut up. 
It doesn't matter. Other people had the same opinion as me. Other people didn't know either. So it's not like a weird, it's not like a weird thing, man. Yeah. So Nosy shows up, rides up on his bicycle and he like, he wants to be an artist and Jimson's like, no, you don't. And, uh, he steals his bike and uh, goes back to his like boathouse, mm-hmm. uh, where he's like keeping all his scummy paintings, these gigantic canvases he's somehow working on in this dark boathouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's making like obscene phone calls, the threatening phone calls to a patron of his, which actually we should do more with our Patreon. We should make more like threatening phone calls about getting more money. It could be a Patreon um, goal, actually. If if we get enough patrons, we can start doing prank phone calls to people like the Jerky Boys. Oh. Do you remember the Jerky Boys, Jarrett? Yeah. I don't or, know. I don't or did know. you mean I, threatening phone calls? Threatening. Well, that's not really different from what we do already. Yeah. So he calls his patron <laughs> up and uh-huh. I, man, this movie, whatever. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what you really think about whatever. this Whatever. I feel like whatever about this movie. It's fine. It's like this thing that just exists. It just fleets about. It's like every one of these like kind of like middling British comedies that like I'm sure somebody thinks is like hysterical. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like parts you're like, oh, yeah, I see that. That's a joke. And then for the most part, though, it just kind of rambles on. Uh, mm-hmm. It's this is some peak British feel, 50s filmmaking. And it's very like there. It doesn't help that the copy of this that like I came across is like real gray and washed out and like the frame rate's stuttery. Mine also. Yeah. And uh, so it doesn't really help with the enjoyment of the film. And there definitely came a point where like, I was kind of like okay with this movie and being like, oh, this is fine. And then it just kept going and it almost restarts again. Cause what happens is it's all these, this setup of him threatening a bunch of people and everyone kind of dealing with his bullshit. Um, and then he starts doing the mural and he starts getting all these like people to, so he can paint their feet. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And, uh, it's like, okay. And then you, you know that when the, the squares, the beaters come back to see that the mural he's painted and all the damage they've done, they're going to go, what? And their hat's going to pop off and spin in the air. And then they're uh, going to kick their feet up like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of happens. And then you're like, okay, well then what now? And then the movie continues on for like another like 35 minutes. And you're like, wait a minute. Like that's some serious mm-hmm. structural problems. Cause then it's like, oh, I'm gonna, we're just going to go do that again. But like, oh, hey, that guy we saw before, he's dead. And uh, now the now the thing's been donated. Well, let's go check it out at the Tate. And it's like, oh, hey, there's this old band church. Let's paint it an even bigger mural. And then mm-hmm. all the community loves it. And then he brings it down himself and everyone goes, ha, ha, ha. And then he sails down the river on his boat. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about artist movies is uh, sometimes you see the art that's being made by this particular artist. Yeah, I would like to get your your opinion on that because I found striking similarities to the art of uh, a JFD, a Jarrett oh. Francois Duncan. <laughs> so indeed, uh, wow. No, it's just kind of like I don't know. This isn't. This is not my type of painting. <laughs> Um, I is it too a little too thick for you? A little too chunky? I, I yeah, I just I don't know because so there's I can't remember. I looked it up. There's an actual painter who was making this stuff. It wasn't a mm-hmm. some hand. It was like a professional painter, and this was their their thing that they were doing. I guess at the window of time. 
it's like this figurative kind of like basquiat looking stuff at times. And Did you say uh, basquiat? Basquiat, the the painter. Look what him, what look, was his look, deal? Look him up. He's a. I'm not uh, going to. I wanted you to tell me what ju- basquiat. Ju- Julian Schnabel, uh, mm-hmm. broken plates. What? Oh come on, you, you, Francis go, Bacon. New, new uh, what Francis? No, you, yeah, I wish. <laughs> uh, no, so it's like kind of like oh, I'm not really into this art either i'm not really into mm-hmm. what this guy's laying down and i don't buy that people are really into it other than like yeah rich assholes are get really into paintings and they don't even necessarily care about them and people pretend to see yeah. things and feel them there's that whole scene with alec and it's like talking about feeling the image on your eyes and this i don't know that's like is that what pants. people talk about it's, some people do art I'm, when I'm, they don't know what art is uh well there's people who talk about art in a particular way and mm-hmm. this kind of is an example of that in this like offhand kind of goofy way that's supposed to, I don't know. It's a comedy. So it's, I guess they're kind of making mm-hmm. fun of it, but maybe they're not. I don't know. This thing uh, really overstays its welcome. I tra- I kept checking the time. Well, sure. I think there was like maybe about like, it's been a while since we did a time code thing, but this is probably around the 51 minute mark where I was like, hmm. And then like, I felt like the movie had to be winding up and I'm like, oh, it's now it's only like, an hour and nine minutes in and I'm like mm-hmm. that was a really long 20 minutes and they just kept going and I was like yep it's uh it's iPod time it's time to check uh check my check Instagram the news. check the Instagram see what's going on and the my- movie just kind of winds off and you're kind of like oh that's it and then it's over with and off with the show so yeah my time stamp was 30 minutes yeah so you lasted a lot longer than I did I guess um yeah I don't know uh yeah, I'm pretty pretty indifferent to this one. Uh it like I said, it's the British comedy and it's like no one really talks about this movie. Uh no one's going out of their way to talking about it. It's not a secret it's not a hidden gem or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, RJ, uh how did this work for you? What did you think of this? I thought this was, this movie was just total horseshit. <laughs> um horse is shit. Ah. Horse is shit. Uh, no, I was super bored by this. Uh, I was completely unengaged. Uh, I couldn't care less about this thing. Um, because I don't really like, I I talk about all the time with some movies where it's like, well, who cares? But in this movie, really, who cares about this homeless fucking pretentious artist with a foot fetish? It's like, well, who gives a shit about this guy? And it's not even that the character is uninteresting. It's like the way that they portray and represent this whole, all of the content in this thing is uninteresting. Uh, first off, so I, I'm talking like, I'm talking pretty passionately. I don't like hate this movie. <laughs> I just, I just think it's like, it's a super boring, lame movie. And it's like, I don't really care. Kind of like how you're indifferent to it. Uh, um, and in my opinion too, it's just like, well, I don't even really realize or know why this is here. This, this is a weird pick. It's not as bad as some of the criterions that we've watched where it's like, Oh yeah, I really didn't like that, but I can kind of like, there's, there's some, something here where I understand why it's a criterion film where with this one, the whole time watching it, I was like, why is this here? Like what relevance does this have to anything? Is there some kind of like, cultural context that i don't understand that this movie was like real important um but i doubt it so anyways i think the biggest thing about this movie is that it's not really like it never felt like a real movie to me it plays a lot like um like a tv special not even a tv (laughs) movie a tv special so like 
you know, like when your favorite TV show will do like, here's your Christmas bonus. Uh, it's an hour long instead of the 20 minutes. That's what this whole movie felt like okay. to me. So I'm looking, I'm looking up Al Guinness because I'm curious, like sure. what, what his like trajectory was. So uh, I mentioned this last week in the introducing what we'd be talking about this week. Uh, so Ronald Neem, uh, he's like the producer of uh, David Lean's like movies, like Great Expectations and Oliver Twist. Mm-hmm. So he's like one of those guys, and this is him making movies. Um, and Alec Guinness, he got his start almost essentially with Great Expectations, and he's in Oliver Twist, uh, Future Creep, Kind Hearts and Coronets, I think. Or no, I'm thinking of Colonel Blimp. No. I'm yeah, scratch that one. But uh, he's like in comedies. He's in a bunch of different little movies here and there. Uh, to Paris with Love, The Prisoner looks serious. Oh yes, The Lady Killers. Everyone loves that movie, but me. The Coen Brothers one. Well, that's the remake of this one. Oh. Um. But yeah, then it's like he doesn't really get into that sweet stride of Lawrence of Arabia and such till later. Doctor Zhivago and. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't know. I don't know why this is here. <laughs> okay, well, let me t- let me tell you some more, okay? Let me tell you more about why this is a bad movie. Um, so it, it plays out like a TV special to the point where some of the music, like this is going to sound really weird, and I'm not saying it's Seinfeld music. I know I always say that. But at the end of this movie, the music, I swear to you, is the same music that plays in Home Alone. At certain points in Home Alone, the exact... Like when he's boating away, I think that song comes on. It's very bizarre. Man, this movie, uh, actually, yeah, Bridge on the River Choir predates this movie. Okay. By a year. Okay. So, Home Alone music, Jared. Yeah. Uh, when this movie starts, you get uh, you're introduced by a huge exposition dump where a character comes up and literally tells the whole audience, "You're this great painter. You were in prison for the last month for making prank calls. That's bizarre. Why would you do that? Why would this is I what do that? Why wouldn't I do that? And then you see him go to the phone. Hello, is yeah. your refrigerator running? You better catch it. And like that stuff happened. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like maybe you couldn't, maybe you couldn't hear it. Cause you were slapping your knees so hard from laughter. Oh, from laughing from laughing. Are we supposed to laugh too about uh, his foot fetish? I see. I, you know what? Like I'm, I'm on the record being like, I'm not a fan of people's feet. Uh, yeah. I was wondering how you were going to, uh, it, it didn't even phase me. Like, cause the presentation is just like, eh, whatever. Well, I liked when he looked at his painting and he was like, that's a real foot. Yeah. Like at, at the feet that he's painting and he's like super into feet, but he is just like a weird foot fetish guy, right? Well, Sorry, I don't mean other, to his other, shame his other, him for his His fetishes. other paintings aren't really into that though. It's just that particular one he's like really Well, he into does feet. bring up feet a lot though because yeah. he he like looks at other people's feet and he gets that uh that one gentleman to sit up on the couch so he can look at his feet. Yeah. It does come up quite a bit. It does, but that's because he's working on a particular uh a work. So it's like really uh, yeah. like the focus of that moment. But cuz it's like okay. when he does the one in the church, it, there's like it's like not feet town, right? Not really, but yeah. See, so that's and, a, and, that's and a his weird... other paintings aren't that. It's just like that was the moment, and because people are like, mm. "Oh man, feet! That's crazy." Yeah, I think. Um... <laughs> see this movie, like who? Yeah, it's who, who could possibly care? That's the yeah, movie. The cares? rest of the real question. 
I think the one, the best highlight of where the comedy doesn't work for me is when uh, the guy spoils the money pit gag, where it's like, you know, when Tom Hanks's money pit, where he sinks through the floor and it's comedic gold, everyone laughs at that. In this movie, you have the hole in the floor covered by the huge like carpet yeah. or the area rug, and you have the guy leading up to it, and you're like, he's gonna fall in that hole. It's gonna be pretty funny, but he biffs it. Because he intentionally trips himself and falls before he hits the hole. And I was watching it and I was like, you piece of shit. You couldn't like sell it a little bit. Like you weren't going to get hurt by just walking into it. He's not going to bump for free. Well, but he was getting paid for this movie. Well, he wasn't, you know, he was paid to act. He wasn't paid to bump. Mm. Brother. Well, I thought, I thought that was a huge, uh, they're, they're really got under my skin, Jared. I was just like, fuck this guy. He can't even sell that. Like. Be, be an actor, you prick. Uh, and then this movie too, I think it's just too much like, it's too much what I think people think art is. And you talked about that and I'm the last person to say what art is because I I don't know what art is. Uh, but it's it comes off that way where a lot of the stuff is just like, it's a metaphor, man. It's art you know like we painted this wall just to bring it down man it's performance art or even something about how like the community rallies together to make this art piece is something that you could take from that on its own but there's that and then i like i I found him really like annoying where after he brings the wall down and he's on his houseboat and then the big freight boat comes Mm mm-hmm and he looks at the side of the side of the boat and he start, starts sizing it up like it's a canvas. He's like, oh, yeah, I could uh, paint a real good uh, picture on there. And it's just like you can tell in his mind. He's like, this is what an artist does. Man. Here we go again. Yeah, everything is a is art. Every yeah. every landscape or like every surface is a canvas. It's like, oh, God, that's why people oh, hate. Oh, God, I just heard that in my head. Every every surface is a canvas. And it's just like Is that not what the uh, A means though? Because uh, <laughs> he looks at the fuck, side of a boat man. and he he's like, Oh, I could paint that up. Every, every surface is a canvas for my art. Yeah. So there I was watching like that. I was just like, Ugh. Um, I don't know, it's not it's often I don't like movies. I don't I don't know. I don't like hate this movie or anything. I just yeah. think it's just kind of a dumb, bad movie. Like, I don't, I, I really don't know why it's in here. Well, well, it's here. It sure is, Jarrett. <laughs> it sure is. Hey, what do you think is worse? Uh, the horse's mouth or uh, how to get ahead in advertising? Oh, uh, how to get ahead in advertising, like, actively was annoying. I, I really didn't like that movie. Is that like uh, the bottom of uh, your ranked list? Is of, of, of the uh, of the second cr- of, the, of the of the second set of the of this of the of one hundred one to two hundred? Yeah, it's uh, it's right there at the bottom for oh. me. I I really oh. didn't like that. Is it because you hate satire, Jarrett? Uh, yeah, I do. Mm. I I I hate when people say things are satirical, it pisses me off because they don't know what that means. They don't know what satire is. They don't know how it works. And then they refer to Jared, things as, just, then they refer to things as Swiftian. And then I just like want to self harm. Jared, maybe you just don't understand satire. Maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe you don't. 
Well, anyways, that was a uh, productive use of our time, hey? Yeah. It's like, I'm thinking of like, yeah, these, 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 uh, kind of like these British flicks, these Lord of the Flies type deals. Mm. Yeah, they're just like, the thing too is Lord of the Flies and Either Horse's way. Mouth. I don't think they're bad movies. It's just yeah. like, they're just not they're interesting. Not as interesting. I mean, it's all like, I dislike British cinema. There's like some amazing British movies, but. There's these ones that you're just like, hmm, the reputation is earned mm. <laughs> of why people are like, oh, British movies. I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah. No, probably not. Okay. Well, maybe I'll start and, that trend. Uh, like, but yeah, fuck Paddington. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> We're not talking about Paddington, brother. We're talking. Dude. Dude. About everything else. Paddington is quite good. Yeah. Quite good if you get crave you can watch paddington too is there anything you liked in this movie uh honestly not really wow i um, was i i was super uninterested oh, so in this. i, I, I was actually just like um there. the lady the one that like kind of like he's like got the she's got the painting and she sold a bunch of stuff off i think mm-hmm. she's she actually does a pretty good job of like underselling like how she's like a real uh minx and like because like she's like her body language is very subtle like super subtle where you're like you don't even realize that she's like has any interest or is like playing against how uh, uh, old Jimson's like a real horn dog. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a Jared Duncan. Come on now. You are a old horn dog. I'm old. I feel old. I'm horny. Hey, okay. So we're going to do two things here. We're going to talk about who hates this movie. And then we're going to talk about sure. who loves this movie. Cause I'd like to know, I'd like to know <laughs> what people are saying. Who are sure. Who, who's throwing down five stars on this motherfucker. If anyone, what do you want first? You want to go back and forth? I don't really give a uh, shit. Okay, okay, okay. So the last five star review this movie got: Michael okay. Lassoff. Ooh, he wrote a, a mm. mouthful. Is it hefty? In my opinion, the horse's mm. mouth is Alec Guinness's greatest acting achievement. He yeah. was at the he was at the height of his acting powers in the 1959 when it was made. The story of an eccentric, ill-mannered but dedicated painter, Gully Jimson, who loves to paint big walls and finds his inspiration in drinking women, may sound a little cliche, but you're not aware of it as Guinness really knew how to turn on the acting magic for this one. He mm. is he is funny, maddening, convincing, and entirely lovable. The screen script is the only one Guinness ever wrote. Based on the original novel by Joyce Carey using Dylan Thomas as the inspiration for Gully Jimson. There you go, old Dylan Thomas. Hmm. Carey's novel is darker. Uh, Oh, the music fits as a glove to this hilarious story. Uh, I love this film and go back to it each year to laugh and be inspired. Oh, Oh boy. Oh, Michael. Oh, Michael. Uh, Michael's a real criterion nerd. Uh, not a lot of five stars, but I think some of this one does the five stars are quite showing, uh, the horse's mouth, Scarface, uh, peeping Tom, La Dolce Vita and La Ventura, the creep approved bad movie that no one likes. So this, 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 uh, fellow's an anti-creep. He's a kind of an anti-creep. He just watched Billy Liar and gave it four and a half, which is pretty. And there's another one. <laughs> pretty wild. And one of his favorite movies apparently is Jean Cocteau's Orpheus, which I didn't mind. Like I thought it was okay, but that's not a, it's not a five star affair. Well, there you are. Uh, Rain Barrington. 
an excellent screwball comedy with a hilarious performance from Alec Guinness. Uh, oh, is this the other five star? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, his favorite films are Magnolia, Bo- Boogie Nights, Akiru, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. This person's from St. John's. Hey. Uh, yeah. They and... have 975 star ratings, Jarrett. Whoa. This person. Okay, they they have... only have two half stars, and it's The Room and Amazing Bulk. So they are um, they're a, a Red Letter Media fan. Jones the Cat, The Horse's Jones Mouth. As a kid, this was one of my favorite movies, and it still what? is. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. I was the only person in the family not gifted in visual art, and this movie inevitably brings uh, back uh, memories of the scent of oil paints and the texture of thick impasto. Alec Guinness has a great role in the half-mad artist Gully Jimson, whose serio-comic exploits to fulfill his visions are richly comic and occasionally poignant. He does a full chameleon, or octopus if you prefer. (laughs) Here, Mm. coming off seeming older than he would 20 years later in Star Wars, that's true, and lowering his voice to a gravelly roar. This movie also gave me uh, my first exposure to uh, Prokofiev's great Lieutenant Kiet. Kish sweet? I don't, I don't fucking know. Kish sweet, eh? Kish sweet. Kish sweet. Also nice. used in Woody Allen's Love and Death and sampled by Sting in Do You Think the Russians Love Their Children Too? It's Is, as perfect um, as an antic. Accompaniment oh, to more? Jimson's wanderings as it oh, okay. is to Allen's clowning, interestingly. Oh. <laughs> it was originally composed going? for the early Soviet film. Quiche, of which it is easily the best part, like that sting song. Five out of five. Um, this is an abandoned account. They only have like seven ratings. The only five star rating is the horse's mouth. Wow. But there's also a four star rating for uh, what we were talking about in the preamble uh, Inland Empire, your favorite David Lynch film. No kidding. No kidding. What what other hot gems you got over there, brother? Well, I got some hate here, RJ. All right, sure. Uh, one and a half stars. Uh, man, that's, that's very small font. What is that, Lermontov? Yeah. So, the late 50s was a great period for Guinness with some memorable roles. Kwai, Tunes of Glory, White Suit, etc., really elevating him to one of the most versatile actors in the country. This wasn't one of his best roles. It was rather one note, and he did little with it beyond the general um, mien of the character. Uh, Still, it did grow on me, and there were some great lines. Add these to the ravishing transfer, and you have a film worthy of a rainy Sunday afternoon watch. That's a one one and a half star review. Um, This person's a little weird. They ju- they gave Killing of a Sacred Deer a half a star. Uh, they don't have many five stars. They're all criterions though, and there's lots of half star things. But a lot of it is like really shitty horror movies that like I've never even heard of. But then there's also things like Sacred Deer and Catch Me If You Can. That's not a half star movie. Mother half star. What else? Paddington Two half star. Okay, that's per- this is a troll. This is a professional troll. That that movie is a treasure to the world. Like the horse's mouth. Like the horse's mouth, apparently. Mm. So, speaking of that title, 
the horse's mouth. There's like the expression straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah, what does that have to do with anything I have, this movie? I, I don't know. That doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Kyle Garvey, two stars. Neem of the much later Hopscotch, future Criterion Creep in like two months, hmm. along with master British actor Alec Guinness, dog. <laughs> is that it? This is 58 Horses Mouth is a comedy about an artist. <laughs> oh. A boorish but... artist he is, though that's redundant. <laughs> no, he, he, Neem's pictures seem very, very unfunny. <laughs> What is going on here? Are I, you reading a review? I am reading a review as written. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. That's it. That it. That's the review. Kyle Garvey. I don't I don't know what's up with Kyle Garvey, but so as always I found weird trends. Kyle Garvey gave Billy Liar five stars. So I don't know why people who love Billy Liar hate Horse's Mouth. Uh it's bizarre. Big Criterion fan. They just watched Fireman's Ball. They gave it three stars. They're criterion lovers. They are Criterion lovers, but... Uh, That's the only reason to watch a lot of these movies, I think. I think so. But at the same time, this person, yep. Jared, just gave all the uh, Airbud spinoffs the, like, of the puppies half a star, which I think is like a mean thing to do. <sighs> Why would you watch that movie and give it a half a star? Because they're very clearly for kids. Finally, Bobby Analog, two stars. A frog-voiced Alec Guinness acts like a smarmy brat. Technicolor is wasted on dust and rain. Ronald Neem directs like he is waiting with bated breath to go on a lunch break. Snap. Bobby Analog sounds like a porn star. A little bit. Bobby Analog. Uh, five, only five or four or five-star movies. Tenenbaums, Chung King, Thin Red Wine, Cena. Um, some of their favorite movies include my most hated movie, Call Me By Your Name. They also gave Mother a half a star. A lot of these people hate Mother for some reason. This person's also hating on uh, Adam Sandler movies. Men in Black 2 half a star. That seems unfair. Space Jam half a star. Ah, oh, Jared, they gave Wild Hogs a half a star. What is, what, what is this? <laughs> Uh, These are quality movies. <laughs> yep. Huh. Well, RJ, got anything left to say about horse's ass? I I don't know why it's a movie that needs to exist in a world. After the break, we look forward to greener pastures. And hey, maybe we can paint our mural on the side of that tanker. Jared, every surface is a canvas. Maybe we can go fishing with John. Fuck. I would... I would very much like that, Jarrett.
RJ, has the horse's mouth inspired you to make your great works? Well, I think I'm I'm going to be working on this series of art, Jarrett. Uh, it's going to be scenes from a desert, a rocky desert. And there's going to be all sorts of weird characters, like dudes with big guts or do like worm people. And it's all it's all going to be about rocks. Well, you should read uh, George Harriman's Crazy Cat. It seems like he beat you to the punch 100 years ago. What about JFD's hit Instagram account? I don't know anything about that. But hey, you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about what you're going to rip off in oils. Sure. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got a Patreon page waiting for your money. We've got a YouTube. It's sweet. We're, we're, we're getting up there. One day we might sweet? even, yeah, one day we might even, like, you know, get some of that YouTube advertiser dollars. In fact, if anyone mm. is somehow listening to this and on YouTube, let us know uh, if you get ads. Because I'm really curious. Because that would be really weird and annoying to me. Um, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. Next week, RJ, Spine mm-hmm. 155. We're watching a sports documentary, I think. Are we? Tokyo Olympiad, directed by Kon Ishikawa from 1965. Is that good? I don't know, but it was included in that like big Olympics box set thing that came out last year. Is that good? I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have some hot takes for you about the Olympics, RJ. Not a fan, but uh, we'll see how this goes. Maybe this is a good documentary. It's a weird stance to take. Fuck the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. Well, you saved some of that for uh, the, the podcast, oh, I guess. Fuck. Oh, man. Those scumbags. The IOC. Motherfuckers. Wow. I uh, I never... I'm I just, just, we're, not, we're not going to be getting that sponsorship. I never saw it going like this. No. Strong politics. <laughs> wow. Well, the pod, it was fun doing the podcast. Yep. They're going to take us down those five rings. They will. They got money. All the money. Well, actually, I don't mm. know if they do. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Haven't they been struggling lately? Well, they, they well, they're making you know less hundreds of millions of dollars than they'd like to, and then they, mm. they, they can't. Anyway, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good night, folks. Bah. Stay alive. Just, just end it. Just don't, cut it off right don't, now. Don't paint feet. Just, 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 just end it right now. <laughs>